Welcome to this episode of the Motley Truth Podcast. In this episode, we will be continuing the subsection of emergency preparedness, which I call the MCSD. Last episode, we covered M, which is for medical. In this episode, we will be covering C, which is for communications. It's like everything else, we have uh, been accustomed to many things where our dependency levels on communications make a lot of things harder if we had to go by other means to accomplish any kind of form of communication. What if we didn't have this device in our hands listen to this podcast or this computer that you're sitting in front of listen to this podcast or in the palm of your hand or maybe on the computer that you're sitting in front of at an immediate access on your demand. Even us older generations that can remember days before cell phones and those pay phones, rotary phones, not even cordless phones, have been accustomed to the means of this modern technology to where our dependency to even conduct normal day-to-day business are now subject to these machines. Without such, our society would be thrown back into the dark ages. But what can we do to prepare to minimize the impact that would be caused by such failure of this great technological communication grid? How will we still stay in communication with our loved ones and those we need to stay in contact with, even right across town? Let's get right into it. Okay, so I want to go ahead and get started in talking about the history a little bit about communications. Now, a lot of stuff may sound common sense, but let's just take it back to the basics where you didn't have any tool, you didn't have any kind of aspect of or any means of um, being able to talk to the next person without actually being in front of their face. With that said, uh, these means are the oral means of communications and you know thousands of years or so this is like the only way people usually prefer communication because other than this there were symbols and uh um then writing systems came about and then there were right things and that's how information was transferred from one person to the other one generation to the next and things got passed down orally and things were written down and in these societies of such, they had uh, messengers or runners where they go from one location to the other if they needed to. As you know, the world wasn't always built up with nations. A lot of uh, places were city-states. And yes, I'm aware I may have went way back in time, but if you think about the basics here, what if the grid went down? How would you communicate? Because if your cell phone is inaccessible to the network or those who you're trying to communicate with are unacceptable to unaccessible to the network. How would you get in touch with them? How would you reach them? So also in those um, ancient days, when uh, messages had to be transported kind of fast, where a messenger couldn't get run fast enough, they would actually use sounds to signify what uh, what the message is. 
And these these sounds will have a well-established um, understanding of what these sounds meant, how they sound, how long they will sound, the pitch. So the message can be transferred from one location to another by sound. And a lot of, a lot of these are like uh, used during battles and invasions and things like that. But nonetheless, it's still communications. It's just like the sound will go everywhere. There was another form of communications that needed to get, uh, be seen during daylight. So people use things like smoke signals. The smoke signal coming from one place, the, sound, uh, the color of the smoke, all of these things were pre-established to what they would mean according to the people that used them. Sometimes they'll go hand in hand with the, the horns and trumpets and uh, smoke signals. You know, they'll be the sometimes go hand in hand. So let's get more uh, into the more modern fun stuff you probably want to hear. Okay, so these um, other means I'm going to get into, they're more like early modern um, technology. If anybody uh, studied Morse code, you would understand that uh, the telegraph was uh, in high effect at the time that Morse code was used. Morse code is not necessarily used in the sense it was before. It's only used like a, a backup means or um, emergency setting, even ship signaling. This can even be given by light signals or it can be given by sound signals. That's the Morse code, but the telegraph, it was basically the taps of the telegraph would uh, send pulses across the, the wire and it would get to its destination. They'll be able to interpret the Morse code and then they would type out or write down what was uh, sent across the wire. And these uh, terms like the wire is even used in modern day based on um how it was used in generations in the past and with the uh, telegraph you end up getting voice communication and this is where the operators come in and they'll be able to you whip the phone whoop basically you sent the electrical current over the, the wire instead of tapping you whip it and once it whips it makes the whipping sound the operator would be like operator how many direct your call and then the operator will switch the wire uh, cable based on um, who you need to contact. And you think your iPhone is expensive now. Well, you know, having a private line then was also expensive. But that's why it was mostly like businesses started out. And then rich people had their own thing. And uh, eventually phones become more commonplace as time went on. And during this process, you had the development of wireless communication, where, um, which was also used greatly during um, World War I, World War II. I would uh, say this is more like your zero-G two-way communication. And what happened um, over time is basically people would tune into the AM, FM radio, which was wireless audio. Well, who would have thunk it? People want to actually see some stuff, what they're hearing. So, lo and behold, here comes the television. So, a lot of these things overlap because during the video process, you had the motion picture where they had to actually play music over the video and they actually had to uh, record it 
in time sequence to keep up the video because the video was either fast or it was slow so the music had to be played uh while the video was playing it eventually got to where you can broadcast the uh a video with the audio over the air just like how the audio was audio only was um the only thing be able to be broadcasted over there it started out as black and white the technology started somewhere right and also during this time home phones have been uh getting more and more uh available like mass produced and means more cheaper so people can afford them i remember growing up uh hearing about if someone had their own line as a kid it was spoiled you know because tv kind of fed us that stuff with kid gets rewarded by their parents um they come home and they have their own television they had their own uh telephone line in their room and lo and behold what you have you have the phone booths now uh not too long ago they removed the last one i think out of uh, new york city not too long ago sometime this year and now uh you end up with this telephone where Previously, you had to be attached to the wall somewhere. The longer the cord, the, the better, right? And guess what? Now, you have a cordless phone. You get to stand hundreds of feet away from the base and still be able to talk on the phone. So it gives you a little more freedom to walk around. And, uh, you know, there's satellite communications. Because I remember uh, growing up, people was having, like, satellite TV and you know, if you had satellite TV, for whatever reason, it was some kind of illusion that you was a business, you know. And not too long ago, I remember um, it was a telephone company, a branch off of uh, Bell called MCI. Basically, they uh, was um, breaking this telecommunication company up because of uh, monopoly issues. But it was more than that, too. Anyway, so here comes your 1G, your first generation of your cell phone technology comes about it was able to allow you these big blocky phones i mean these phones are blocky they cost you know either where from 600 to thousands of dollars whatever and then you had your satellite phone and everything and really back then uh companies only really owned uh satellite phones or business ceos or you know big big people and you know these blocky cell phones, the 1Gs, they don't fit. They couldn't fit in your pocket. You had to basically have a separate bag for them, or put them in your book bag or something like that. Like uh, one, like there was a case where there's a battery big. You're carrying the battery, and there's a phone you have in your hand connected to it. Like it's some kind of uh, old school military walkie-talkie, but in the shape of a phone. Then you get your 2G, and your 2G is allowing you to send data. In other words, you're able to text somebody over your cell phone. And during this time, when 2G came about, it seems like the smaller they can make your phone, the more sophisticated and the more important you're supposed to be. It's, it was a weird time. And here comes your 3G. Your 3G is basically allowing you to do multimedia, you know, allow you to play your MP3s. And, you know, if you had your uh, Razer 3, whatever, uh, you can your flip phone, the 3G ones, they were able to actually browse the internet. Then you go into 4G, they basically buffer it and basically making where you it's uh the data that you can send is more streamable. 
and it's more accessible, it's more reliable, more faster. The back end of the system is more robust. And now it's 5G and you have basically the onslaught of everything at your fingertips at the very moment that you want it. Uh, no slowdown, but <laughs> they got to build that out just like they built 4G out. And 5G is more um, Internet of Things friendly to where you got trillions of devices and they can talk to each other and over there and all is even though it's cell, uh, wireless uh, cellular wireless uh, communications it all plays a part in the, the back end of internet of things it's just a, the cell phone side of the information uh, being sent to the actual end user over this technology said all this because this is a technology that we have grown to be dependent on because it is at our fingertips they have built the market and we've fed into this market to where these things are has to be out uh, at our fingertips because the convenience trap of having the ability to uh, be able to do what you want when you want it is you know it's it sucked us right on in and now the cell phone industry is like a multi-billion dollar industry you know and growing up um i know my parents probably only had one tv in the living room probably uh but when i was growing up we had one tv uh for uh the parents bedroom and then another tv for everybody else you know you had to you had to take turns who's going to watch what cartoons or whatever, you know, it was either going to be the Flintstones or it was going to be Transformers or Thundercats or G.I. Joe. No, I might be revealing my age here, but yes, those were the eighties. And the further you go back in time, uh, cartoons are a little more simpler. You got like grape ape and, you know, in the seventies, the Scooby-Doo came out in the seventies and, you know, you go to your black and white cartoons and everything. But yeah. Let's go ahead and continue this episode. So greatly, uh, part of our life is uh, dependent on this thing we call the Internet. Contrary to modern popular belief, the Internet has not always been here. It was first developed for military purposes, and then uh, it seems like companies can be like, hey, we can make some money off this. So once the uh, military, DARPA specifically, released it to... Um, be further uh, developed by private companies they released it to the public uh, so they could basically uh, build the technology so with this happening um, things like uh, AOL popped up you gotta remember this technology was basically a dial up where you had to your computer had to connect to a server on the other end over the telephone lines. With the advancement of technology and everything, they was able to um, make this technology encrypted as well as wireless technology, wireless communication. They was able to encrypt this communication. And then this uh, the technology moved from uh, dial-up to DSL, where basically... Uh, it would use a different frequency than what uh, your telephone line would use. And you had to put this like module 
plugged up to your uh this dsl filter plugged up to your wall your computer so it doesn't interfere with one another so you can still pick up the phone and call somebody and the, the technology is using one frequency for call and the other technology the dsl is using another frequency band for the data transfer then the technology got to where kind of where it is today it's like doxis 1.0 or something uh when i think it was japan i might be wrong about that but i think it was japan that, that started doing the cable modems and with Doxus 1.0 being like the United States standard or whatever. Um, then they got the 2.0 and 2.1. That was like uh, 3.0 and 3.1. The technology kind of staggers uh, at this point. Because they focused the means of the technology on other factors. Uh, so they kind of left, left it at 3.1 where they focus on wireless technology like your wireless in, your wireless AC and everything. So... I don't have enough time to get into the Wi-Fi aspect of this wireless communication. Um, but yeah. So let me go ahead and go into this situation here. So what kind of situation would you find yourself in where you need to communicate versus the normal means? Because if you see, as time goes by, the form of communication has changed when it came to using these devices, right? But if we back up a little bit, we will see where the FCC has opened a frequency band, right, for regular old people. And this was called CB, in other words, citizens band, where people can just freely talk over these frequencies. The thing is, these frequencies get swallowed up. They will get, they will get so uh, clustered because everybody's trying to talk on these uh, radios, even if it's just somebody down the street or around the block or whatever. It was a big thing back in the 70s. A lot of people wanted to, uh, you know, talk to somebody just because, you know, because it was kind of cool at the time. And then the only people that really use that uh, on a big scale now is like truckers or so. And then you have your your uh, VHS band for like uh, your marine radio. These are radios that if you are on the water, you're operating a boat or something. These are the this is the frequency band that you will use, and a certain frequencies that you use for um. If you're talking boat to boat or boat to shore or whatever, to um, so the FCC basically did this, so it won't be any kind of uh, frequency clashing. Just imagine trying to listen to a song on the radio, and you know you get uh, all all different types of music because they're all trying to broadcast uh, radio on one hundred three point three. Everybody's tuned into that one frequency to broadcast on that one frequency within a certain ranges. Then it's kind of like they're gonna you're gonna clash. So that's why the FCC kind of uh, regulates what band is meant for what, which goes into the topic of uh, 5G being near airports because the 5G band kind of overlaps um, the band that uh, air air pilots need to conduct. Uh, Communications between land and ground, the air, air and ground. And then you have your licensed wireless communication, like um, you. Well, let's just go from small to uh, high. So you have your GMRS and you have your FRS. FRS is your family radio, right? So family radio, you don't, you um, basically have these these low band walkie talkies. This is just basically that's all it is, is walkie talkies. The GMRS. 
you're supposed to have a license to operate those. So you can turn the radio on and you can listen and you can scan, but in order to push the, the transmit button, you're supposed to have a license to operate these things. Which goes into my next wireless communication is ham radio. Now ham radio is meant on it's operated on a whole bunch of levels. They have it to where uh you could uh basically transmit the signal into the air, bounce it off the ionosphere, and technically speaking, with enough uh wattage can you can be basically talk to yourself with the signal being sent one way across the world and you receiving it on the other uh from the other side of the world, basically wrapped around the world and you end up talking to yourself. So this is when like the signals propagated correctly and you know but they have means to where they don't they don't necessarily do that. It's basically uh it's repeated. They use like uh repeaters to keep the signal going from one point to the other rather than trying to have all this power go from one location to the other. So they just have repeaters on in different parts of the world. So they don't have to, you know, get this propagation just correctly. So you may ask, why do I bring all this stuff up, right? Well, think about it like this. If we cannot talk to each other over cell phones, right? We can't use these normal means that we that this whole world has basically just about the whole world as in a large part become dependent on talking to one another with these handheld devices to where the previous technology has been uprooted like the phone booth has been uprooted because the phone companies aren't making money off of them because no one's using them and you know there's the international uh communications um through via satellite and also underwater sea cables but what if the situation arises to where these things are not accessible. You know, what are we going to do? So that's why I, I brought in the fact of the CV radio, the ham radio, the GMRS, the FRS. Yes, I did not. I forgot to include that you do need uh, a radio, a ham radio license to operate ham radio. It's like three different levels to um, ham radio. And this is just uh, amateur radio, really. Just amateur radio. I brought up all these ancient ways of coming about because in my next segment I'm gonna I wanna bring it to a uh, conclusion. I um, wanna bring it to a place where it all makes sense in an emergency situation. All right, so how does all this supposed to make sense, right? As long as the internet is here, we have a means of normal communications, and if the communications can be uh, sent over internet, it's gonna be sent over the internet. However, if the internet was to break, the malfunction, you for some reason you can't get on. What means would you have uh, to communicate with somebody across town or so? Or what if you have means to communicate with someone across the nation because you do have a hand radio license and you're well versed in how to operate the technology? Just know that these types of uh, means of communications, they require electricity. So given the fact that you have a means of electricity to power these devices, then you can use your ham radio, your GMRS, your FRS, and your CB and everything. But if you don't have those, this is the reason why I went back in time to talk about 
how these devices were used in the past because you might find yourself in a situation where that's the only way we can communicate is oral by the written word messengers and runners who knows we don't know what to kind of dark uh, dark times ahead to where we might have to use smoke signals horns and trumpets so when it comes to any kind of communication it's always a point A and a point B, at least two points. And with that, you got to have someone you're talking to, or you might as well just not communicate. And the point of communication anyway is to, to accomplish some mean of, to some kind of end, right? Just like you're conducting business in a regular today, there's still, there can still be follow-up means of uh, communications as in a situation that puts you in emergency uh, communication type of deal. What happens is these um, means of communications from back in the past might find its way in your, in your uh, situation to where you won't have the luxury that you have now. So it's always good to um, know how to do things from back in the day and not just uh, think that today is superior and nothing can happen to today because the things back in the past something can happen to those too but this gives you a mesh means <clears throat> to be able to um, still communicate I mean there's things like flares and uh, there's things like fireworks or you know all these other improv improvising means to uh Communicate one thing or another. I know some of this stuff sounds a little like down gridish, but in a situation where you have to communicate with somebody, you don't have the immediate means as like a cell phone today. And guess what? You're going to still have to try to find a way to communicate to somebody. These are, this is an extreme approach, but in the means of where you don't have the internet where you are dependent on today the only way to really talk to people is through email your cell phone text messages social media all those things if, if the internet goes down there is no social media there is no you know there's no email you know it, it, think about the outages when Verizon went down or T-Mobile was disrupted AT&T was disrupted so think think about those times when you can't log on to your Netflix now, because Netflix got uh, shut down because everybody's trying to log in at one time. So if, if it can happen to Netflix, just think about the most important things in life, not your television, but the most important things in life, like people who you, uh, who you need to stay in touch with. Have some kind of means. And to tech savvy people, have, you know, these people can design their own system. So tech savvy people can help build a system that is uh, that works around all these other means so if there is a mean uh, if there is a event that kind of disrupt normal life there still may be a chance to still communicate even though everything in life is not 100% at least you're doing something and trying something you know so that's where uh, I leave on this note with communications those who don't have access might just be like you know saying it'd be equivalent to the day hey my cell phone died can i use your telephone 
when you go to somebody's house, hey, you know, or somebody's business. Matter of fact, you should telephone for a minute. Same way this might come to play where, uh, you know, hey, you know, I, I got such and such and I need to see if I can get in contact with them. Think about uh, Hurricane Katrina. If people are trying to find out what it's like any other storm, if people want to know what the uh, status of their loved ones are that's lived in the immediate area that's been directly affected by such things. These are just natural disasters. So in the event of natural disasters, so everything's not always a, uh, a doomsday thing because even in natural disasters, you have disruption of communication to where you still need to be able to get in contact with people. That's why uh, Facebook got it to where you can mark yourself safe and all these other social apps you can uh, such and such Jane, John Doe and Jane Doe marked themselves safe during storm Zuma's app, you know, so, uh, so social media allowed it to be a, the medium of communications. So, but the best way, if you're fortunate, the best way to communicate that I, that I recommend, but it's not always feasible, which is why we have, a media device because the media is what's in between the best way to communicate is face-to-face and hands-on communication other than that you have something in that's that's connecting two parties that's communicating and that is the media device so with that being said i'm going to just keep that summed up here and let you run on with how you feel like how you need to um Develop your uh, situation to where it's okay that if you never need these things, but it's not okay if you do need these things and you don't have them. That's not okay. These things may sound outlandish. However, if you find yourself in these kind of situations, it may not be outlandish after all. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Motley Truth Podcast. I hope this uh, episode helped you to develop or to come to mind to think about what you could do to help your emergency communication plan. I kind of intentionally leave these uh, open broadly so you can develop uh, your stuff the way you need to rather than telling you what I think. This is just a, a mind stimulator so to get the juices flowing so you can do what you need to do to flow how you feel like you need to do it with that being said until next time this is the Motley Truth Podcast signing off